breaking news, Jess. Okay, go on. We have a fat bear week winner. <laughs> a chonk has outchonked all the other chonkers. Is that what you're telling me? It has indeed. I would like to present to you 2023's fattest of all fats, Queen 128 Grazer. Here's some information I've gleaned about this very special lady. She's got a long, straight muzzle. She's described as having conspicuously blonde ears and is often one of the fattest bears at Katmai National Park in Alaska. She is one of the best at catching salmon. She's raised two litters of cubs and is known for being one of Katmai's most formidable, successful and adaptable bears. Get you a fat bear week winner who can do it all, am I right? Hey, Queen 128 Grazer, congratulations. Well, if that (laughs) isn't the greatest news that we needed to end the week, I don't know what is. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Could we have a new government by the end of Saturday night, or are we staring down the barrel of weeks-long negotiations? Voting's also closing across the ditch, and Australia's The Voice referendum. We speak to someone close to the campaign. What does our very patriotic Irish colleague reckon will happen in this weekend's knockout game between the ABs and Ireland? And ding, 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 it's time for round two of Is It Cake? We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. So, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but tomorrow it's uh, election day. And it has, of course, oh. been another huge week in politics with the different candidates making their last-ditch efforts to get our vote. Now, remember, you can vote all day today All day tomorrow, polling booths close at 7pm. So, for the final time of campaign 2023, we have Stuff political reporter Glenn McConnell here to help us make sense of everything. Glenn, congratulations on surviving this election campaign. Almost done. So close. The finish line is in sight. 7pm tomorrow. (laughs) Glenn, we will kick things right off. Let's not waste any time. Double whammy on Wednesday night, essentially Christmas for political tragics like us. Two major TV polls and a poll from The Guardian this week as well, all showing that this race has become far closer than, say, six or so weeks ago. What's your take on it all? Yeah, it it still isn't great news if you were hoping for Labour or the Greens to stay in government. This is really firming up what we've seen for a while, that New Zealand First will hold all the cards when uh, when votes are cast. They have firmly the seats needed now, well above five percent. So they will be back in Parliament, and Act and National cannot govern on these numbers without Winston Peters' support. Why has it been such a deflating couple of weeks for the National Party? That's so hard to know. So they ruled in working with Winston Peters, and then it seems like people are like, okay, happy to vote for him. I'm, yeah. I'd love to see Winston back in government. And then they kind of U-turned and they're like, oh, I don't know, there might be a second election. Mm. Um, Maybe we can't work with him. Too late. Winston was back in the game. And it looks like he'll be back in Parliament too. I feel like, Glenn, this doesn't get talked about as much as it should. The Green Party have been polling quite a bit higher than ACT for a wee while now. And if the figures are right on these latest polls, they're going to get pretty much double the number of MPs they had at the last election. But in terms of getting into government, Labor's not held up their end of the left block bargain. That must be gutting. Yeah, election 2023 is set to deliver the biggest Green Caucus 
ever. Wow. There are going to be so many MPs. And thank you very much, Marama Davidson and James Shaw, for your efforts. You get a demotion. Yeah. You're out of government. <laughs> you, you, no more Crown limo, no more really decisions to be made. But what can you do from the opposition benches, right? And I talked to James Shaw about this a while ago because there is, of course, a theoretical possibility that the future government could be Green National. In fact, that's the only way there would be a two-party government. But James Shaw said, no chance. And and not even because he doesn't want to work with Chris Luxon, but because the Greens have such a complicated system mm. that their members, they're just random people who like the Green Party and paid them a few bucks, get to decide who the Green Party MPs work with. And they hate National. They hate ACT. And they just don't want to see the Greens ever move and, and be in that government. All right, let's get micro for a second. What are some crucial electorates that we should be looking at in terms of upsets or flips on Saturday night? Hauraki Waikato, it is the Māori electorate around uh, Hamilton. This is really interesting. It looked for years like incumbent Nanai Mahuta from Labour was unchallengeable. Well, a Fakata Māori poll uh, shows differently. Young gun, 21-year-old Hana Arafati Maipi Clark has a real shot of winning there. That would be incredible given the Māori party has tried so long to win that seat and has had no chance at all. In Auckland, actors trying to win Tamaki, expand out of it. That's around Mission Bay and, and everywhere. Deputy Leader Brooke Van Belden has a good shot of beating Nationals Simon O'Connor. And heaps of seats across the country are going to switch probably to National. Um, 2020 was weird. We saw a red wave with heaps of electorates um, switching, often for the first time, to Labour. Uh, Wellington Central as well. The Greens are, are hopeful they can win that. Let's look to the big day, Saturday. What's the weather looking like? Because we know weather factors in when it comes to people's willingness to get out there and vote, to get out there at all. Yeah, it's going to rain, right? (laughs) There is rain forecast for Saturday. Uh, Extra bad into Waipounamu. Look, if that's stopping you from voting, come on. (laughs) No stickers and rain. I mean, it's not looking good. Uh, Yesterday I went and voted with uh, Chris Hipkins. He was in Mangarei, always good when MPs come to my neighbourhood. So he was voting and it's inside and there were all all these old people playing bingo and stuff next to the polling booths. Heaps of um, uh, malls around the country now you can vote there. So it's not a big deal. Go and do something else. Go play bingo. Go shopping and, and vote, even if it's raining. Kia ora, Glenn. Well, again, congratulations on surviving. Glenn McConnell, thank you so much for taking us through this entire election campaign. Thanks, guys. It's a huge weekend with plenty to pay attention to. So today we want to know, what result are you more interested in? The election... All the All Blacks versus Ireland. Oh, my. Be honest. I mean, sure, one is somewhat more important than the other, someone somewhat more of a bigger deal than the other. Which one's that? You know, that's up to whoever's listening to decide. Uh, <laughs> head to our Instagram page, vote on our poll, search for us, Newsable NZ. The voice referendum is taking place in Australia this weekend, the same day as our election. Now, we talked about this last week, but given the impact this vote is likely to have across the ditch, we wanted to touch on it again and speak to those actually fighting to give Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples a permanent voice in Parliament. So, to talk about this some more, we're joined by a University of Queensland legal academic, Danny Linder, a Bundalung Kanarakan woman. Danny, thank you so much for joining us on Newsable today. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Now, we, of course, come to this from a New Zealand perspective where we have the Treaty of Waitangi, obviously far from perfect. But for First Nation peoples in Australia, there wasn't even that to start from, was there? No, we um, did not have or enter into any kind of treaty agreement at first contact in 1788. Over the years, we have had since Federation in 1901, several national Indigenous representative bodies at a Commonwealth level, but they have all over time had short lifespans and they've all been extinguished by past governments. So we've got nothing at the moment. So Danny, what's being suggested via the referendum is quite a basic step in regards to what other Indigenous peoples have around the world. The reform is is really described as a modest yet profound reform option on the table. It's to really just acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians, the first peoples to Australian land in the Australian constitution. That never occurred in 1901 at Federation. And so there's a feeling of the Australian constitution being unfinished in that sense because it doesn't it didn't involve indigenous people as a consequence of that exclusion institutions have had structures within them that have been racially discriminatory they have excluded aboriginal and torres strait islander people from law and policy making processes within australia which has been problematic because that's meant that we've had since federation but you know even prior to federation really deplorable outcomes, statistics surrounding Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and well-being. So we need to do better. Look, it's all been very contentious. I think um, the No campaign has blown the argument of the proposal way out of the waters um, in terms of presenting incorrect information to voters. This referendum question is just about constitutionally recognising an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander advisory committee, which would be called a voice, that would provide advice, no veto power, just provide mere advice to the executive branch of government and the parliament on laws and policies that impact Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And that is it. If the polls are right, the no vote looks like it's likely to win and the voice to parliament won't be established. So what would a no vote mean for the future of race relations in Australia, do you think? It'll be disappointing. And to be quite honest with you, it'll be embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, right now, what we're seeing is a mirror being held up to all Australians as to what this country's priorities really are. Danny Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about this. Thanks for having me. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful Chris Reid. Hello, everyone. Each week, we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round, and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential, even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. If you are enjoying what you're hearing so far, I know we ask you this every day, but please do stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, and chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us. Pull over and then do it. 
After watching the results of the election unfold, we will be prizing our eyes apart and crossing our fingers as the All Blacks take on Ireland in the first knockout round of the Rugby World Cup. But Ireland are the favourites, so in many ways, this will be a bit like watching the actual final. Now, we have a colleague here at Stuff who will definitely not be cheering for the All Blacks, but we will forgive him for that. Keith Lynch is Stuff's editor-in-chief, and as soon as he opens his mouth, you will understand his disloyalty to the ABs. Kia ora, Keith. Thank you so much for coming on Usable. Kia ora. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Now, do you think that there is any chance that the All Blacks can win or an island just too dominant in their current form? No, no, I am not getting ahead of myself. Um, I honestly think this is a 50-50, kind of a toss of a coin. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. And I, I dare not hope Ireland can actually win a quarterfinal of a World Cup against the All Blacks. That's uh, almost unimaginable to me, so I'm not getting ahead of myself. Are you just being nice? No, no, I am trying not to disappoint myself by getting my hopes up. It's the hope <laughs> that kills you. <laughs> Because Ireland, they haven't actually made it past a knockout stage in the penultimate competition before, have they? Is that going to be in their heads, do you think? That's right, Jess. Thank you for reminding me. So um, <laughs> we we have never been past a quarterfinal of a World Cup. We have won 17 matches in a row. One more brings us level with the All Blacks and the English record. It is unquestionably the biggest Irish rugby match of all time. Wow. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to win. How dominant will this game be in people's lives in Ireland this weekend? Yeah, I think this Irish team in particular is is arguably one of our greatest ever international teams. It's really brought the country together like um, you know, a few teams have over the years. We've had moments like this, but um, you know, people are talking about what Italian 90 was like when Ireland qualified for their first football World Cup, which I've never, ever seen such collective joy. So across the country at the moment, we're experiencing something similar. What happened after the uh, South Africa match and the Scotland match is just extraordinary. When you see the fans singing zombie afterwards, you kind of see that collective <laughs> sense of um, of unity that um, kind of is very quintessentially Irish. So yeah, it's going to be a big one. The whole country will be watching it. This is, this is it, guys. Does Johnny Sexton age? Like, how is he still <laughs> as phenomenal today? Yeah, yeah, I know. As he was a few years ago. Like, what's what's going on? What's he been drinking? It is ludicrous. It is absolutely insane how how <laughs> evergreen he is. He is he is wonderful. Um, I saw that he's yeah. I think he's thirty nine years old now. So you know, maybe there's hope for me still to make the Irish rugby team. <laughs> yes, yeah. So paint paint a picture for me of your Sunday morning because you're not going to have really a quiet Saturday night being uh, stuff's editor in chief given the election results. So come come Sunday morning, what is the plan? So I'm I, yeah I'm I'm working on Saturday night for the election obviously so um I'll be be getting up early I will be actually travelling to the airport early and watching the match on either my phone in Auckland airport or I will be finding a television to watch the match before I fly back to Christchurch so my my morning will be chaotic messy and um, I will just be watching as much of the match as I, I practically can and hoping my internet holds up Keith Lynch thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us. Uh, I want to say all the best for Sunday, but I don't really mean it. So Should we just uh, say up the wires? That kind of just, you know, <laughs> it throws everyone off a bit and no one really knows what you're talking about. Up the wires. <laughs> all right, here we are. The moment that I have been waiting for all week for my possible chance at retribution. Is it cake round two? <laughs> Is it cake? Is it cake? Oh. 
This is a new this is a new favorite part of my week, I think. Oh, just just formulating the fake headline was such a lot of work. I like crowdsourced it mm. um, to mm. see if it was believable or not. You know, compared to the other one, because we're dealing with two quite unbelievable headlines here, as you'll soon hear, Mo. Okay. Let me lay them down for you. All right. Okay. Option one. Giraffe poo seized at airport after woman wanted to use it to make a necklace. Or duckling becomes airport's mascot after rescue from inside plane wheel. Tell me what the new, tell me what everyone voted for. For giraffe poo necklace, 58% on the Insta. Duckling okay. airplane rescue, mm. 42%. So quite kind of close there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk you through yeah, my workings do. here. I think I know which one is real. Duckling, that could be real. Ducklings get stuck in lots mm-hmm. of weird places. They're very small mm-hmm. little babies. I can imagine an airport leaning into that. It's a yeah, lovely a story. Media age. However, people are weird. I've watched one too many Customs 101 or whatever that TV show is. I believe the giraffe poo is real. I think the ducks are cake. Are you locking that in? I'm locking in the ducks as the cake. Giraffe poo necklace is, is real. So the cake is duckly mascot. You were right. Aye! <sighs> I'm disappointed. Just like I was with the cows not being real. I mean, I did make that one up. Is giraffe poo too weird as like a headline? I was trying to match it with weirdness, but you can't overmatch. You can't go too weird no, and make it not. I know what you're saying. But like I said, people are weird. I'm going to remember that for next time. Wanting to turn a giraffe poo into a necklace is yes, just... Yes, let me, let me just read you a little bit more about giraffe poo. So, yeah, the headline is Box of giraffe poo seized at airport after women wanted to use it to make a necklace. So the woman had declared a small box of poo when she was selected to have her belongings inspected at Minneapolis St. Paul Airport in Minnesota at the end of September. And she told officials she'd picked up the poo on a trip to Kenya and brought it back in her luggage to make a necklace. And get this, she said... She declared this, you know, of her own free will to the officials that she'd previously made a necklace with moose feces. I'm just picturing her um, pick up the giraffe poo with like the doggy poo bags that I have for Bean. <laughs> On her safari with her, dog, with her doggy I poo bags. I have so many questions. We should try to track her down. Hey, thank you for everyone that voted on our Instagram poll. We'll be back next week where... God, I'm going to try and kind of win one here. I know we're not keeping count of this, but it would be good to get a win on the board. Don't sweat it. It's just, you know. Don't sweat it. This is all I've been thinking about all week. I'm just very good at making up fake headlines. That is Newsable for today. Keep an ear out on Sunday for a bonus episode post the AB's clash with Ireland. The wonderful, the brilliant, the great All Blacks legend Jeff Wilson will be joining us for all the post-match analysis. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jess McCarthy. Go the All Blacks. Have fun on election night. And we will see you on Sunday and even more on Monday. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. I'm Tova O'Brien and this week on the Tova podcast from Stuff, an interview with Prime Minister Christopher Luxon. We met at Central District's Field Days to talk tax, police pay, Ruby Tui and his political value judgments. Oh, and we heard his verdict on the conversation too. Not that he meant us to. All that plus the winners and losers of the week with Andrea Vance, Luke Malpass at the Labour Party caucus retreat and your feedback. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Kakite.